0: The relationship that email has with privacy is changing, partly fuelled by things like the GDPR, but also because the public has never been more aware of privacy issues, thanks to things like social media scandals and high-profile data leaks. In this episode of Email Talk, we're hosting a privacy roundtable with Dylan Smith, Jacques corby and Jay Oram. Just as a side note, we recorded this just before the start of lockdown in 2020. The audio isn't perfect, but there's so much great discussion, we thought it's valuable to include it all in here. This is Email Talk, a podcast for email geeks, by email geeks, about how to be a better email geek. I'm Elliot Ross from Action Rocket and Taxi for Email, and I'm your host, Okay, cool. So let's kick off then by doing a quick round of intros. That's cool. So, um, so I'm Elliot. I'm um, host of this podcast and also uh, the CEO for Taxi for Email and Managing Director at Action Rocket.
1: I'm Dylan. I'm, uh, I guess, foremost people would know me as being the admin, uh, one of the admins of the Email Geek Slack community, um, and I'm also a designer at Litmus. Uh, I'm Jack, uh, I do marketing operations for a company called Payment Sense, been in the email for, I guess,
2: probably like eight years now. Also, on the admins on Slack community, but much less visible than Dylan is, I think. <laughs> and I'm Jay, I'm an email coder at Action Rocket. Um,
0: yeah, that's what I do. Cool. Um, so let's maybe start quickly just by talking about what tracking actually is when it relates to email, and then we'll talk about why we want to discuss it in a second. So um, So there's basically three things you can do when you're tracking in an email um, as a marketer or um, a developer or whoever is sort of sending email. Um, So you can do open tracking, which is you can basically have a small image like a transparent GIF that is in your email. And basically when that GIF is downloaded, we know that essentially someone has opened an email. Um, So that's one way of tracking. Second way of tracking is ESP link tracking, which is basically all of the links that are in your email When they go through the ESP, they get encoded and then made unique. So basically, if someone clicks that link, then we can assume that that's the person that we send the email to, and then we know that they clicked on a specific link in an email. Um, And then the third type of tracking that can happen in email is those links that you put in your email, you can put a query string on them before they go into the ESP. And what that means is something that is on your website when people actually land and click through on where you want them to, to click through to, Um, You can have a bit of JavaScript and that picks up um, some parameters that you put in in the URL. So, for example, you might put that the source of this click was from an email and the name of your email campaign um, and that kind of thing, maybe the action that you want them to take. And the purpose for that is quite often things like Google Analytics. So you could say, I'm going to send my email campaign to a thousand people and I'm going to have a bit of JavaScript on my site and I want the goal to be that they hit the thank you page for my request form or something like that. And you'd be able to say that these people clicked through from an email, went onto my landing page, and then um, we picked up that they got to the thank you page so we can assume that they filled out the request form. Um, so what might be co- quite cool quickly is just to talk about, um, it's got like a whole bunch of people who've worked, like people worked in email a long time, right? Um, what What do you think are the benefits for both the business and also sort of individual, perhaps career benefits that this helps? I can jump in quickly. Um, I mean,
3: as the email developer, I want to see that the code is reaching the right people and people can read the email and actually click the links and I'll get any images that they want to see, that the marketers want other people to see. Um, so that's interesting for me. Or if I'm doing an interactive email, I might use a tracking pixel to see if someone's actually clicked on something to see if they're using the interactivity. Um, or another pixel that, um, might give me the amount of time someone would spend in an email, So if someone's using an interactive email, maybe they'll spend more time in there because there's more things to click around and do. So that gives me information to let me know that my emails are actually doing the correct work that I want them to be doing. Um, So that's kind of from a code point of view. Uh, So I guess from a marketing point of view, it's always,
2: can you measure the success of a campaign? Um, And that's critical across all of digital marketing. Email's just part of digital marketing. Knowing that your email has been opened, links have been clicked, tells you that something is successful or not, then obviously you putting budget into uh, your
1: campaign, the people who are actually running that campaign, that's really important. I think, I mean, I'm going to speak for others here a little bit, but I think the sort of career side of this, that's come up a little bit in the conversation lately, is the idea of being able to sort of, uh, I mean, as an extension of what uh, you were saying, sort of quantify your success as an individual uh as an individual marketer if you write a subject line uh and that gets your email opened, you get to say you know look i you know i've done this um and so, so i think taking away like i guess we'll get into that but taking away any of these uh types of tracking starts to limit the quantifiable success
0: uh of an individual in a sense that's interesting yeah like the um Being able to sort of demonstrate, hey, I worked on this and it and it was useful, and therefore that's why I'm good in my job, and I should be able to do more.
1: Sure, yeah, like or or I deserve a raise, or (laughs) um, you know, look what I've done in my last role. Yeah, Um, yeah. you you should hire me, that type of thing. Yeah, there's definitely
0: a big story. I mean, there's there's all sorts of reasons why we don't get paid millions of pounds per email, but (laughs) sometimes you do see that an, an email that we send generates a huge amount of money for an organization. So, yeah, there's perhaps a conversation about the value we add to that um, to, to have. Yeah, and justifying that budget between the whole demar- marketing
3: department where PPC might be able to measure it really well, and SEO and uh, uh, like social media tracking and what comes through there. There's lots to see on there, whereas email is not as easy to track. So, maybe by taking some things away, it's going to be even harder to track. So, yeah, something to think
0: about. That's true. All right, so let's talk about this. And so, um, part of the reason we talk about this, right, is so there's been the kind of thing have with Superhuman, which if you're not aware, um, it was one of those kind of productivity email clients. I'm not sure is it still going or not. Um, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but there was a bit of sort of pushback in the community, and there's Mike Davidson um, who, who wrote a, a sort of really good Medium post about this. Um, and, and one of the kind of features of this email client that you could use was that you could send an email and you could request basically tracking that someone has opened your email and read it as a consumer, like as a an office email as opposed to sending a marketing email. And there was a bit of a backlash against this because it kind of broke a bit of the kind of contract of what, what personal email is. Like you, you don't get read receipts usually in email in that way. Um, and then what has I think, kind of happened... Well, I think the nuance there is that I, I believe Superhuman had it on by default. So, oh okay yeah, so maybe, if yeah. you
1: were uh and, and oh that's this, right yeah, the, yeah With it, right? That it is it is like sort of you know one-to-one email yeah um, which is why i think people felt it was a bit more egregious versus you know marketing emails where uh and i think we'll get into this but there might be an expectation that you're being tracked a little bit but yeah. if if elliot emails me i'm yeah,
0: know, yeah, and yeah that feels
1: a bit invasive yeah, yeah.
0: and then you get people and you, you do get it sometimes in this kind of weird world that's between uh, sort of personal and marketing email, when you get these kind of outreach emails and people say, hey, I saw you open the email and you didn't reply," that kind of stuff. It's a weird <laughs> yeah. kind of area to be in. Um, and then what's happened since then is the people from Basecamp have um, announced an email client called Hey.com. So we don't really want to talk too much about the specifics of their their platform, mainly because you don't know much about it. Um, but the kind of rhetoric that they're sort of using to to talk about it is interesting because privacy for consumers is, is high on the sort of agenda there um and they've been pushing some kind of messaging around you know marketers um did you know that marketers track everything you do and all of this kind of stuff which i think is is not totally fair but also has some you know it's somewhat a valid issue to raise i think it'd be good to to discuss that um so yeah so that kind of I guess, brings a conversation on to what does it mean for consumers? I think there's a lot we could kind of talk about there. But what's, uh, I mean, should we maybe start with, what do you think, um, do you think consumers actually care and do you think they, they have negative feelings about yeah. tracking in it, general? So I think some care. Um,
2: mm. There are obviously some people who are very much more privacy conscious than others. Um, but I think generally people just aren't aware that this is going on. They don't know the scope of the tracking. They don't know. That it's happening they don't know their rights um around being tracked online um and i think that to me is kind of part of the broader problem is that people just don't know
3: that it's happening especially in email i mean everyone yeah. gets that cookie
2: allow cookies when it appears on the
3: website or um yeah like all that kind of tracking going through buying and stuff and things online yeah. and everyone knows that's there but email is kind of hidden and no one actually knew it was there and then when hey you kind of started talking about it and other people it's like oh you are tracking me i didn't really know you were tracking me so that's maybe a negative yeah. like thought of yeah i didn't yeah. give you permission to do it that's another
2: yeah like thing it's done yeah.
1: very much without permission
3: yeah. yeah right now which
1: yeah i think there's sort of like four sort of buckets of, of people there's sort of the, the people who know and don't mind um the people who know and aren't okay um the people who might opt in in some cases uh you know maybe depending on sender or purpose and then there's the people who just you know like gonna you know, use my mom as an example she probably doesn't know a single thing about it um whereas i'm sort of on the other end of the spectrum so to speak yeah um, i have images off by default yeah. you're yeah. one of those We're people on. yeah
0: okay wow you uh, should have yeah. asked that way can... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll
1: also raise my hand uh, for for images off gang um but that's that's sort of recent <laughs> um
0: wow so seems for, for me opposite, i don't like, do that for yeah. i, I my, my strategy is to just throw as much bad information as possible, so I I post <laughs> random stuff on Facebook that doesn't matter. I, um, yeah, I but just... your snow photo. Exactly, <laughs> my Facebook kidding. is just the same photo over, over and over. Well, do you use, um, uh, like, an app blocker on the web, then? Not really. No, no. Um, I have, very, um, what's it called on my phone? Um, the, the VPN. The mode where it doesn't track cookies and things. Privacy mode. Although, oh, yeah. that's... Privacy mode isn't great, but... Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, no, it seems yeah. like I, like, because um, I've been in marketing and digital marketing for a long time. And when Google started, like, personalizing ads and Facebook, like, personalized stuff to me... From that, I've kind of taken that I get to see the things that I want to see because I've allowed them to have some information from me. So that's one point that I've like, but I've like, I've sold my soul to Google and said like, right, yeah, I'm cool that you've got all this information. Cause then every time I go on there and type in a search or something, you give me what I want straight away and it's quite relevant and I see relevant ads. And then I'm cool with that, but I understand that I've opted into that. Whereas like, kind of other people don't want that kind of
1: thing. Well, that's, that's the sort of. Uh, the parallel that I think doesn't quite hold up between the web and email. So like Google and Facebook, I think it's you know, fair to say are ad companies, right? Mm-hmm. They have products, but they're selling ads and that's how they make the money. Um, so you get to search Google and you get something from that. You get search results and um, you know, by allowing them to, to track you and you know, by using their product more, you can increase the relevancy of those results. Or on Facebook, you get to keep in touch with friends and family and send messages and, you know, know about events and whatever other benefits, right, um, in exchange for them using that data to sell ads uh, to people who want to target people like you. But with an email, I, I think particularly with marketing email, with, when I sign up to, you know, let's say some t-shirt company and, and they want to sell me some shirts, I, I, want, I signed up because I might want to buy some shirts from them. And to me, that's kind of where this all differs. Like I didn't sign up to Facebook or or Gmail or Google because I wanted them to sell me ads. I signed up for some other benefit. So that's kind of, to me, that's where the contract ends with marketing email. Content-based email and things like that, a little different. I think there's more of a gray area, but I'm I'm basically saying, yes, I'm interested in buying some shirts. Please send me your latest shirts. And they're saying, Okay, we will do that, but also we want you. We want to know all this other stuff about you, um, or, or about your behavior, and that's where I find the the line might get crossed, uh, both personally and, and maybe some people have a similar similar outlook. Not everybody, but I'd be interested to hear, I guess, individual opinions on. You know do do you find that? It, that is the case for you, I guess, that same line of thinking. So I think what's interesting with the Facebook and Google example is, okay, so you go to their
2: websites, you expect to be tracked, but you don't expect when you go to that T-shirt company's website to have that data then sent to Google and to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's where there are issues like that, and that happens in email, right? So I was I raised an issue with uh, Bloomberg, actually, about they have double-click um, ads in their uh, email, so double-click is... Facebook's at DSP, um, And that means that any interaction I had with that email was being sent to Google as well as to Bloomberg, which raises other problems because I definitely never consented to Google having access to that
0: data. Yeah. Mm, that's kind of interesting in the context of email because, so like I was thinking like, like social networks know a huge amount of stuff about you, right? And like a lot of things like the like button, for example, is basically an excuse to get some JavaScript yeah. on the rest of the web and you could argue that Google share Analytics, as well. yeah, yeah, share yeah. buttons, things like that. Um, Google Analytics, they say, when you put it on your site for free, you're only giving them the data so they can give it back to you. But I imagine in practice, there is a huge amount of ag- aggregate data, at least that, that goes back into the general feed of things. Um, however, when you think about what you can actually track in email, you know, going back to what we started, talked about at the start, right, like actually email is pretty kind of, almost cute in, or naive in this space. You know, what we have is an image that is downloaded. We don't necessarily even know that they've read the email or engaged it or enjoyed, with it, enjoyed it or anything like that. We just know that an image has been requested, basically. Um, and we know that some links have been clicked. Um, so, but what's interesting is is we're starting to talk about, like, the idea that email is a signal for some other tracking where they have gained a huge amount of information from you in, on the web, an email is kind of facilitating that rather than the tracking specifically happening in, e- happening in email.
3: Yeah, because the tracking in email is not great. Yeah. And, and not reliable as well. Like the open tracking. Is oh, yeah, let's redundant. talk about that for a second. That's, that's <laughs> like another point, I guess.
1: Like various things have happened sort of sort of in different clients. And, mm. you know, it, I, I think that open rate tracking should be considered advisory.
0: Yeah, at most, yeah, right? At
1: best. Like, it's useful
0: if you haven't, like, it's, it will tell you if your email hasn't been sent because it'll be zero. Yeah.
1: like
0: It's useful yeah. for that kind of stuff, right? How.
1: So, in your careers, how much stake have you put into open rates at any given time? I look at them because it's been part of my job to look at them, but I never particularly. Like,
2: I'll see, oh, they're 30%, or they're 35%, or they're 25%. Like, so what kind of
1: mm-hmm. uh, bill? Well, the kind, kind of, of aggregate percentage. over time
3: of the same tracking gives you right. a general idea so that you can go yeah. yeah. back and, like, See, like, last year in Black Friday, we got, like, 80% opens, but this year we only got 20. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, that might be a big, massive drop. But we never – well, I've never put, like, a huge amount of, like, trust in it anyway. But,
1: like, aggregate, like, over the time. So you mm -hmm. you mentioned the word aggregate, which is interesting because I think that comes back around to the the individual sort of privacy fear around this and and how it actually gets used in practice. Um, You know – there are some things that you know. You're a developer, so you might want to know which email clients are people opening this uh, email in. I'll make sure my code really works in those ones. I'll, I'll pay extra special attention to make sure it's good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But you're not looking to say, you know, is Elliot opening in Gmail? You probably don't care about that. You care no, about how many people or what percentage of people are opening in Gmail.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, and I guess the only individual thing this does get used for is sort of yeah. list pruning.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's an element of deliverability where well, basically in deliverability the game is engagement, right? So if you're sending email to someone who is not engaged, that's gonna cause you some deliverability challenges. And basically the only one of the only ways we have to see if someone is engaged or make a measure of it is through image link downloads. So that's where having some measure of of engagement or tracking for a specific user is valuable, but it isn't specifically that this person hasn't downloaded the image. Therefore, we've got a liberty problem. So, I mean, potentially or ideally, in a you know ideal world, it would be nice if the ESPs could feed us back a kind of ESP score for a individual user that doesn't go through downloading an image. But I mean, that's perhaps very nice to have. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, what I mean, like, that, yeah, that's potentially yeah. a, solve, a, a problem that could be solved in other ways, but it, it hasn't at this point. Because it just it? Open tracking is the easiest way for the, that to happen right yeah. Now. yeah. I mean, if they can say, hey, this this person on aggregate, their engagement score is this, so don't send them any email anymore, that would still solve it, right? But they don't.
2: But for example, we also know that, say me, I'll open an email. It won't
0: register as an open because their images are off. Mm. I'll interact with it. I'll do things in it. Yeah. Gmail has all of this metadata that
2: they are using to calculate that deliverability, but on the marketer side, they have none of that visibility. They exactly, so you could be a false open. positive, right? They don't know that I might have marked, put the email in a folder, that yeah. I might have tagged it, that I might have deleted it, that my marked is unread, starred, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so
0: it's quite naive, I think, to think that opens are the prescriptive yeah. facts about deliverability, because they're not. Yeah, that's my biggest biggest challenge with it, really, because I mean, we don't, as Action Market or tactic, we don't send a huge amount of email, and to be honest, we don't care that much about the stats um in any of them to be honest um but um what we do have is you know we work with a huge amount of brands and and they sometimes come to us and say hey look opens are down or whatever what are you going to do about it or can you help us yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending on <laughs> the the mood of them um but uh you know in that case sometimes we have to have a conversation actually you know it's it's less an issue if conversions are up and opens are down we can have a conversation about what we can do but it's not necessarily get opens to go back up from the
1: marketing side of things, what do you think an open represents? Does that just represent a good subject line, or I like this brand today?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's slightly different for different people, but for me, it's just it's that someone has opened, but that's it. Or you know, yeah. like maybe the the, uh, the subject line has, has done some heavy lifting, but even then, I'm kind of of the, the view that the if you send a good email every week or every couple of days or whatever, it doesn't really matter what the subject line is. If people like your emails, they'll open it. They'll open it
2: based on sentiment
0: rather than yeah, the it's kind of, and your general reputation, right? Yeah. Like you, you think about, you know, if you're walking down the street, you'll you'll go into the shop that you like. You won't necessarily see the products before you go in. Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. It's a,
3: there's a big whole picture, isn't it? Like if you if you're always sending good content, you're more likely to get an open anyway, rather than. Like a subject line, yeah. So it's all the bits that come together. But yeah, the open tracking pixel or the click is the only way that we could know that anyone's even looked at it or even seen the email. I guess. So we sort of agree. It sounds like generally,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and and open doesn't point to any one specific thing being done right. Mm. Um, It's more about the the brand and whether yeah you know they Mm. generally like what you're being sent.
0: Yeah, Um, my kind of concern is is more that. We put too much value on it. Or right. it's and too that's, easy to just you know, on we, it.
1: We basically have two yeah. metrics.
0: Right. Yeah. We have, uh, you know, somebody opened it and somebody clicked something in it. Um, oh. And then, Jay,
1: like you said, maybe you can uh, do other things, like did people interact with, you know, other details within it in, in some cases. Um, so I guess the question is, why, why is it so... Why is it such a big deal if we don't think it actually points to anything terribly positive going right on a campaign-to-campaign basis, is it just because there are only two numbers and that happens to be one of them? I think one of the
2: things to look at is the fact that actually in most cases we can't turn off our contract even if we want to. Um, a lot of ESPs just don't have an option to not have pixel. Mm. Well, and then they spit it back at you like, hey, this yeah. is, Hey, here's your open rate. Yeah. You're yeah. Like, oh, okay, well this must be a big deal then. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's definitely an issue from the marketing point of view. like. What can I do to not a Pixel? Because
3: it's built in by default. Yeah. I guess the other way that people use them is for journeys, which is if someone interacts with something, then they get the next step. But that's still not... that. Like, even though that would be an individual, maybe would get something, and then, oh, they've interacted with it, so they will get a next one in the series, almost like a welcome series. Um Or um, if you've got a load of blog articles that you're pushing out and they're in order, then if someone's read number one, you want to send them number two. So if there's no way of saying that they've opened number one, then when do you send them number two? That's the only other kind of open tracking pixel yeah. with journeys or automations that ESP's kind of put together.
1: Well, that's come back around as well because people are kind of saying, like there people who have pixels uh, or images off by default um, are kind of coming back and saying, uh, hey, I've got this email that says we're going to unsubscribe you um, because you haven't opened anything, but I've yeah. been reading them all. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so goes back to that sort of inaccuracy and in, in unreliability of it, but also points to that sort yeah. of, you know, making actions based on those behaviors or... or
3: yeah, and their behaviors or, that, are, yeah. that are passive as well, because it would be quite easy to just have a button in there that says send me the next email. And then that's a positive step that the consumer's taken rather than a... A passive step that we've just assumed that they've done something, um, and I guess when with the unsubscribe one as well, it's the same, isn't it? Like oh, yeah. we're going to take you off our list if you go. No, no, I'm I'm still reading. I'm just not looking at your images. Yeah. then
2: like that would be a perfect solution to that. But yeah. it goes back to things still being quite siloed as well. So you've got your email data that typically sits in your ESP and tends to be completely unrelated or unlinked to data that you have within your digital products, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I might very well be going to someone's website, logging in, doing all this stuff and products, but if I'm not
0: interacting with email from what they can see, they decide to not send me any more emails, which seems bizarre because I'm still very much
2: engaged with the brand. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are some other metrics that we can use as well. So, I mean, especially sort of e commerce, you you have a sale, right? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in theory. Um, So, there is sometimes a direct conversion um, as well it's sometimes more editorial emails and it's, it's perhaps harder to, to work that stuff out. But, you know, it could be that we, if the opens and clicks were a bit more fuzzy, to your kind of point about, you know, it's good for us to know an overall score of an email campaign, but not necessarily a, a given person opened or whatever. Um, but we knew that this email drove this amount of sales. We would still hit quite a lot of what we need as business targets and perhaps it might stop us focusing on This episode of Email Talk is sponsored by Taxi for Email. If you're an email marketer, you need Taxi. We help everyone on your team make their best email. Designers and developers build awesome email design systems with Taxi. They build out their best HTML, then they use Taxi syntax to precisely set out how it is then used by content writers. So you can give them the flexibility they need whilst keeping everything on brand and keeping your code intact. Copywriters in Taxi focus on content and not code. They write directly into the email, so they're creating everything in context. That means you can create better content that engages people more and ultimately gets you better results. If you're a marketer, you can dig into things like segmentation, personalization, managing link tracking, making multiple versions of things, and most importantly, you can see what everyone on the team is doing and help them along their way. And once you're done, you can sync Taxi with whatever platform you use to send email. If that sounds good, we'd love to show you more. Go to taxiforemail.com and hit request a demo so we can chat about how Taxi can help your team create their best email. So
2: that's there's detail. a lot of ways to do that, right? So if we... With no tracking whatsoever in the email, mm. you've got a specific landing page yourself for that campaign. You yeah, know exactly. How other the performing. Yeah. Uh, so it's changing our habits and our behaviors because we're so used to having this data readily available that we're not thinking actually there's really easy ways to get it and
0: yeah. other, more creative ways. Exactly. And ultimately, that kind of, yeah, so that kind of fuzziness might actually help us. And you know what we're ultimately here to do is sell stuff, right? Or you know, if you, that happens to be what we're sending. And that forces you to look at the one metric that you perhaps should do. <laughs> um, well, I know you're big on
1: the, the the message
0: that if you're not doing the the core thing
1: right, if yeah. you're not you know creating good emails in the first place, um, if your strategy is all wrong, then there's no sense in sort of doing you know getting yeah exactly wasting your time on the finer points. Mm. Um, how do you think this this fits in and, and you know doing that type of tracking and you know?
0: Yeah, so I guess the argument against that, or the next question, is how do you know what, what you're doing is right? And there's two ways. One is you're a human being and you understand what's what's right and wrong. Um, or you need numbers to tell you what's right or wrong. So I guess that's where the numbers come in, right? Um, but I wonder how much we could achieve without specific details that would still help us go in that direction. One thing
2: I've been thinking about quite a lot recently is, do we need to know unique opens? Mm. Is an aggregate open enough? Mm. I think in most cases it probably
0: is. It'd be interesting to test, like, I mean, that's an easy cop-out thing to say sometimes, but, <laughs> yeah. like, um, not to, like, because who do we need numbers for? We need them for ourselves as marketers and sometimes we need them to argue the case um, to the board or to, you know, the next level up or whatever. It'd be interesting to go to, that level with just some broader stats and see actually if they're okay with that or if it's
2: yeah I mean we've all probably got years of data behind
0: us that we can look at within mm-hmm. the brand and go well here's unique clicks total clicks let's just see what the difference is mm. um, I think yeah. that would be quite interesting to look at yeah yeah you have a have a the discussion with some clients and see who we can yeah, yeah. get to do that. do that um so one of the things here as well is that there's a big kind of ethical and legal consideration around what's going on here right like this we're in the kind of world and part of the reason why I mentioned pay.com is that's kind of the direction of travel of a lot of conversation right so whether that will be a big email client in its own or whatever is, is kind of irrelevant really like the um there's a, a lot of discussion and, and sort of backlash against things like facebook and the amount of tracking they do some of the stuff that Google does. Um, th- there's always this kind of idea that Instagram is always listening to what you're saying and then you get ads that yeah. um that serve up based <laughs> on that. Um I was of the view that it did that and then I had a conversation with someone about like how technically difficult that would be to do. Um <laughs> and I think maybe more it's just seven it in and coincidence, but um or, or a mixture. But yeah. Um so yeah, what do you think about the sort of ethical challenges around this? Or legal as well? Uh, so I've been looking... I mean, I was at
2: the Media Post events last year um, mm. talking about GDPR. <laughs> um, and so one of the things is, okay, we kind of understand GDPR from a sending-an-email <laughs> perspective, right? We can either obtain consent, which is the GDPR definition of consent, or we can use legitimate interests and have a soft opt-in. Uh, that's kind of fine. What's less clear is, can we actually do the tracking? Because um, mm. in most instances... Our, our subscribers aren't informed that it's happening. Um, they don't know the scope of what's happening. In a lot of cases, we don't need, need or use the data we collect, um,
0: which goes directly against all the principles of GDPR. Mm. Uh,
2: so, from a legal perspective, I mean, I'm clearly not a lawyer, but I have problems with it.
0: Yeah, and um, there's a bit of discussion at the moment about whether an open, like especially open tracking, whether that is a cookie or not. Yeah, um, and I mean there's technical differences, and uh, you know a cookie is something that's downloaded and then reports back on an ongoing basis, and the GIF isn't generally. Um, but that that is there's like a legal definition conversation around that, right?
2: Yeah. So the ICO this is, <laughs> is regarding cookies, but the ICO last year screwed up their implementation of cookies on their website, right? <laughs> so they had to do a big media coup wrote blog by saying actually Google Analytics can only be used on a website with explicit consent. Wow. Um, which, like, obviously no one is doing. Yeah. That's what the regulators
1: is saying regarding analytics. Mm. And, and following that, I think that's where the ethical conversation begins because we're looking at, you know, are, are we allowed? Yeah. Mm. Which <laughs> tends to be... <laughs> that's a very low base level. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I've said before that legality shouldn't necessarily be your baseline if you want to you know, be in a good place ethically. Yeah. I think that there are, you know, like feel-good benefits to, to doing more, but also being ahead of the curve because legislation will catch up. Um, you know, we're seeing, like we saw GDPR pull a lot of people um, in in that direction um, or, you know, a lot of sort of American websites, as we know, being in the UK, uh, will just sort of say, hey, you're in Europe, uh, you can't visit here because we're not compliant, basically, yeah. you know. Um, so I think from an ethical point of view, whether you can do it without being clear about what you're doing or without getting opt-in or not, if you're scared to ask for permission, does that hint that maybe you shouldn't be doing it? Like if, if you were that confident that, oh, people won't mind, just ask them and see what they say.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think people afraid to do that because i think we all know the answer <laughs> people don't
0: want to be tracked right yeah i mean we did it, it is somewhat a loaded question as well right if you say yeah. do you want us to track what you're doing yeah people go no of course not
2: do you want us to track where you're going what
0: device you're reading this on yeah like kind
2: of, like the time that you
1: opened how many times you open all that kind of stuff mm. um, that's the other thing is that i think we're, we're starting to see people Play around with, uh, and these don't tend to be big businesses or anything like that. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the, the individual, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thought leader type person who has a weekly newsletter, mm-hmm. starting to play around with, uh, hey, is it okay if I track you? Yes or no. And if they say no, then they don't put mm-hmm. the pixel in for that person anymore. But even then, are is it clear what tracking means? Um, and I think there's probably a way to pull it off where you explain what benefit it has to you as a business. Hey, can we use this, you know, we're going to use this to send you more relevant offers or, you know, to send you more of the content you like and that type of thing. I think that pitch is a lot more compelling um, mm-hmm. than, you know, like what we're seeing on the web, like, do you want cookies? Yes or no. That doesn't really mean like, okay, I don't know. What, what's it for? Yeah. 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 Um, but like you said, does it, you know, even if you say, Hey, can we, uh, you know, personalize your content based on your activity, are we still being clear enough that we're going to do, like, how, what yeah. that actually means? Are we, that we're going to use location data and everything like that, or,
2: or could have access to it at least? Yeah. Well, the personalization thing's interesting because we're talking about personalization from email perspective, as in data collecting within the email. But I think a lot of us are aware that we do personalization based on other data that we've collected from other sources. And if the purpose of that data has been used for marketing purposes, it has to comply to the same overall, uh, I guess, legal basis for doing that activity. So if you're sending an email and you're relying on consent, you need consent to process that data in the first place,
0: which is, I think, something that not many people are doing right now. Yeah, that's true. And even the general, like, the ethical side of that is usually sort of hidden in the privacy policy of, like, you know, we, we are a company that tailors a lot of stuff based on across all sorts of different channels and places, and it's all kind of interlinked based on stuff we know about you. That's never really explained. No. At best, it's explained at a channel level. And that's still not the whole story by any means. Yeah.
2: And can a user even
0: opt out of that happening, right? What yeah. does an opt out
2: mean in that context? Yeah. If you want to go to Facebook and go, I don't want to be, one thing I have an issue with Facebook is the face recognition stuff. Yeah. So we all know they new face recognition. What does that actually mean if you opt out? Are they still putting together a profile of my face? in all the photos that have identified as being my face. Mm. But it's not just linked to my profile. So there's a shadow profile of me. And yeah. Me, like, I
0: don't understand how that kind of stuff works. It's really... I think that's another thing, right? This stuff is so technical mm.
2: that it becomes quite challenging just to explain it to someone because it really is deeply technically challenging.
0: Yeah, and the law doesn't... The law at best hasn't caught up. But also, yeah. generally, laws... You know, like I think email or even marketing is only really mentioned in the GDPR text a handful of times. Like, quite often, the most effective law you want to be fairly broad, and then you—that's why we have lawyers to argue the case of whether it's it's, actually applies or not. Um, So you end up in this situation where the technology is moving faster than the laws, and also the laws, by nature, are fairly broad um, to begin with. So there's a lot of kind of arguments and case to to actually discuss. the cookie stuff you were talking about recently, the pixel is not a cookie fundamentally. Mm. Um, they behave very differently and without any clarity from the regulator, what yeah. can we do? Yeah. I mean,
2: right now, my opinion is that actually pixel's probably okay from a GDPR perspective. Cookies, no. Pixels, yeah. maybe. Because mm-hmm. they behave differently. But that also opens up the question of if digital marketers understand that suddenly they can't use cookies, but they can use pixels, well, we'll just have pixels all over the web
0: yeah uh, I <laughs> like, maybe email will come good and, we'll, and so yeah email I, should, I mean i
1: think um, like does so if, if the loss intentionally vague and creates these gray areas who can the email industry what or what, what sort of you know is there a framework of decision making or you know what can we look to to say this is okay this is not and, yeah, and this stuff that's, maybe you should
0: ask yeah that's the challenge right I mean it's intentionally vague because if you say you can't do this one specific technology someone will invent a slightly different one so I mean that, that, that's part of the reason right? um, so it's not intentionally vague out of sort of malice um, but yeah I mean what do we have this sort of ICO and they've published some draft yeah. stuff at the moment guidance and consultation just finished on it and then um, there's people like this sort of DMA and, and various local other DMAs across the world um, that provide guidance fan stuff but yeah I mean it, it is hard what you're basically left with is your own legal team's interpretation and that is and the um... technology
3: as well because yeah. even yeah. like right now if and if I wanted to turn tracking pictures off my ESP might not let me yeah. be able to if yeah. someone clicks on something automatically turn it off and then yeah. if I've got a list of millions and loads of them say I want to turn it off I can't manually turn it off in every single email all the time because yeah. my ESP won't let me or whatever some kind of tool that I'm using won't let me do it so it almost needs to be baked into the technology to help people do the ethical thing that they want to do anyway. So maybe a client getting rid of the tracking makes a better, better thing. Like Because if, cause if it's a consumer chooses a client that stops the tracking straight away, then no matter what technology you're using in the background, then like you've lost your tracking because I've decided I don't want tracking. So we're yeah, always harming ourselves by not setting it up. So I actually, last year, raised a... Uh, complaints to Bloomberg and a big retail brand, so both of them all had
2: double-click in their emails, but the so the other brand was, had double-click pixels in their emails, they also rerouted all link clicks through Facebook uh, and trackers, then through double-click and then to their website, so you had three layers of tracking that obviously you weren't aware of. Yeah. So I raised this complaint to them and then said, actually, can you just
1: turn off all tracking for me? I still want your emails, they're still valuable to me, but I don't want to be tracked them. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and their response was like, no, we can't do this. But you're talking to lawyers who don't understand technically how this tracking yeah. works. They
2: don't know that this stuff is even there in a lot of cases, right? Like, I don't know how many brands have gone, hey, lawyer guide, like, here's all the stuff we're doing. And like, have a look at where we are sending all this data to and what this data actually is. Not many people have
1: that understanding about awareness. Yeah. Especially when there's only maybe one lawyer. Yeah, and they're dealing with every (laughs) aspect of our existence as well, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think we'll see a situation
0: where maybe the EU or or another body sort of legislates uh, this, uh, maybe not out of existence, but, you know,
1: starts to put in some specific rules around this type of thing? Um, I mean, I'm just, you know, following this, you know, dystopia or utopia, depending on your uh, (laughs) sort of
0: viewpoint, but then... uh, then ESPs maybe maybe Europeans uh, people or people operating within the EU need to use
1: a, a compliant ESP and ESPs might not like you said have the ability to turn it on and off for for people or some easy way to include it only if uh, the person has opted in and then ESPs start to you know we see a, a lot of
2: sort of migrations and yeah. you know shift in that landscape yeah I mean I don't think further regulations needed because all of this stuff <laughs> is covered by the GDPR we're just not Necessarily understanding or following it, and the regulators aren't actually enforcing it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Until they enforce it yeah. specifically, like yeah. if they say you're not actually tracking pixels, then it will just change, when it? I guess. But I mean, the regulators already said you can't use analytics cookies on your website without consent, but we're still doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until they actually start enforcing that, then people will continue to weigh their business requirements against
0: individuals' privacy. Yeah. We're already seeing a bit of ESP migration, um, less so on things like tracking, but more on just where data housing is. So some people want their data to not leave the EU or they want the ESP list audience data to be within the EU um, or within solely the US and things like that. So there is a factor that does come up occasionally in in sort of ESP discussions and RFPs and things like that that I've seen. Yeah, I um, mean, we've been doing some work around that and actually had
2: that come up as mm. we want our base to basically be warehoused within the EU. Yeah. Well,
1: Google's actually uh, just sort of in the face of Brexit, they've said, oh, you know, anybody uh, who's British uh, or with British account, we're going to start housing your stuff in the US. Now. Oh, yeah.
2: It's not that they're going to, they have done. About it <laughs> by a couple weeks ago. Yeah.
0: yeah, like our G Suite business account is now American. Which means it's not <laughs> sort of protected <laughs> under the, the stricter... Yeah, yeah, it's chlorinated. They chlorinate our data. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think the motivation is for consumers? Like, there's this kind of rhetoric that you hear from some people, and they're like, "Well, I've got nothing to hide, so I don't care about being tracked." Which I have several challenges with. But like, <laughs> what's the? I think it's perfectly possible to want to protect your data and not share it, or to share it in a way that you control but um, still you know, still have legitimate concerns about the, these things and the activities that companies do. But I don't know how widespread that is.
3: I mean, I guess I use the same argument that Dylan, like my mum my would have no idea and literally she probably just clicks a lot of cookies yeah. just because she wants to see the website or opens all the emails in the world because she's
0: not bothered kind of thing. So, so I guess there's probably a large majority of people that have no idea. Yeah, so is and it like a knowledge like, thing or is it a they, they know and they don't care? most so people just don't know what goes on, mm. uh, just because, like I was saying earlier, it is very technical, mm. and people just don't want to know. Well, okay, I open this email. That means that this brand now knows that I, as an individual, have opened this. Where I am roughly, what device I'm on, and all that kind of stuff, um, and the kind of profiling that can be built around
1: very basic kind data points. Mm. And, and so, but the, I guess to play devil's advocate. So let's say, you know, go back to the, the t-shirt company, right? And you know that I've bought a green t- t-shirt and a red t-shirt and you know that I you know live in London and which emails I've opened and which emails I haven't, the links I've clicked and what I've done on your site. A lot of people will say, so what? Like, if you're yeah. going to use that to try to sell me a blue shirt because you know I don't have one, who cares? I'll, I'll either buy it or I won't. But it comes back to the issue of risk. So your that profile in that case is very small and minor, but taken wider, so if you look at twenty
2: businesses, how can you start to profile someone in that way? Um, and we're seeing a lot of uh, I guess hacking incidents and stuff like that where data has been made available that shouldn't, that is being collected that people aren't aware of, and that can suddenly be profiled against, you know, these huge databases billions of data points. Just because Brand A or a little t-shirt company has some small you know,
1: tracking. Yeah. And it all starts to get a little bit black mirror, but I feel, (laughs) I I kind of feel that sort of same way. Like I, you know, certain people I share data with or understand they're using it and things like that. And I maybe don't really care, but it is that sort of, you know, how big is your digital footprint and how out of control is it? Um, And it sort of gets to a point where I can't imagine what sort of systems might be able to use all this in, with, and, and in what ways? In you know, a decade
0: or two, um I don't know. I think we'll see. Do we'll you think see this go back to buy us in some way? And I can't even yeah. imagine
1: what it is. But Charlie Brooker might be thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably already a Black episode.
0: Do you think it's tied to whether you like the brand or not? Like if you're yeah. whatever buying so, yeah. jeans or something, and you're like, yeah, fine, have well, all my data. Brand, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, like I mean, personally, I'm more likely to give it to maybe a smaller brand. No. Uh, you know, like an individual rather than a corporation. You know, because I want to see them do well. The same way that you sort of choose who you uh, you know donate to uh, for you know their newsletter content or uh, whatever else it might be, or the,
3: the same way that you decide to you know buy local. Mm. Um, I, I think it's you know give data local. Yeah, is <laughs> a
0: thing. That could definitely be a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just don't think
3: that people are clever enough to join all these dots up and put information or it's going to be used in a bad way in the future and then that's why I'm not as bothered but then I guess I've never experienced the well okay, the here's, behind it if you kind of think.
1: Yes. Here's an example uh, so have you heard of Clearview? Yeah. Um, so Clearview is this new uh, thing that I want to say Palantir's cooked up um, which I think is, I sounds think it's a separate company Is it not? Okay well good thank you <laughs> uh, It sounds like a Palantir yeah. thing uh, We should tell you Probably all you need to know about it, but so essentially, what they've done is gone and scraped Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and you know MySpace even some right. Resources. They've they've basically <laughs> gone through the web and found all the the images of individuals, billions of images uh, that they can, and they've basically built crazy facial recognition out of this that they're now turning around and selling to law enforcement. So if you posted uh, on a MySpace page in two thousand five. Uh, and you posted on Facebook yesterday, they know uh, who you are and they can um, automatically detect when you're walking around a, a city, uh, you know, if you get caught on a security cam and it has this enabled in, in sort of the, the background or, you know, however it works. Again, it's, you know, technically uh, beyond. me, <laughs> But uh, they can get like live updates like, oh, Jay's here. Right. Um, just based on all these pictures that people have put online uh, over the past, you know, 20 years, you um, and not realizing what could be done. And so that's the type of thing that I think makes this a little, and and this is, I mean, maybe a little different. You're not putting, you're not tweeting that, uh, oh, I clicked this link and things like that, but that's living somewhere. And does it ever, does it it ever
0: get deleted? That's wildly different to, like, my preference is these size shoes and and these size jeans or (laughs) whatever, right? Yeah. I guess, yeah, I find that the
3: bit I struggle with is that connect, where, like, I think the round-the-corner shop that knows that I buy, like, a blue T-shirt, like you said, how, how that would then relate to something bigger unless something bad happens, like the data gets leaked. Well, let's or, say yeah. they're using – I mean, we're getting
1: sort of off track here, but if they're using yeah, yeah. Shopify, for instance, uh, Shopify now knows all the shops, what you've done in every Shopify store, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe somebody buys them or they partner with Google who knows what you're doing everywhere else, and, yeah. uh, and then Google strikes a deal with
0: uh, – you know, my <laughs> 5 or whatever. Yeah. Just, okay. Well now let's, now we've got a full
1: picture. <laughs> I now
0: have a, a really bad example of this, but um, it, more so in the States, you know, when you pay for things with a card um, here in, in the UK, we have chip and pin only just to cash do the tap thing hmm. and, and whatever. But um, in the States you have to sign a lot more. So they have the iPad sign thing. Um, I was in one store. I put my card in, signed it on an iPad, went to another store my signature came up because they were using the same POS system. So the point of having a signature doesn't matter <laughs> because <laughs> they remembered my signature. That's like so the signature is meant to be the key for this is the person, but instead of having the card is the key. So and, and someone actually, could have taken my card and then that would be that.
1: Like you could see how like the user benefit of something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, UX um, is great. Maybe cool. going back to Shopify. Hey, uh, you know we're only going to show you. Shoes that are in stock in your size, and we know what that size is because yeah. you you bought some shoes from this other shop that uses our platform. Well, yeah. we've saved your mm-hmm. delivery address or details yeah. yeah, and anything yeah, black yeah. and any stuff. So. And so that kind of goes back to the idea of like, do people care? And in some case, when you can put benefits like that mm-hmm. uh, not not that we have that today necessarily, but one uh, well, I mean, your signature example isn't exactly <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. a, a boon to the idea, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like, then you can start to see why people would be
2: more okay with it, or at least in some cases. Um, so. But it's also these big companies like Shopify, I mean, I don't mean to pick on them particularly, but big companies that collect big
0: aggregate data sets then go on to sell that data. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Extremely valuable, and they make money from selling it. Um, um, yeah, I so don't that's... think we've quite had our sort of data Armageddon for people to realize actually this this is a big issue and here's why we should take it seriously. There was some kind of example. So like
2: during the whole Uber fiasco a couple of years ago, Unroll Me was sending people's email data. They were literally selling these people received these emails from an Uber
1: competitor. Mm. Uh, Oh, right. Like if you had a Lyft receipt, they would let Uber know so that Mm. Uber
0: could target them more and
1: things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I've heard stories of sort of survey tools, which is obviously right for data. Yeah, selling the data to other people and things like that.
2: I remember back in the day, Buzzfeed. They might still do it, but Buzzfeed used to push uh, all the quiz responses into GA, <laughs> so that you um, because GA yeah. has a unique user ID, you can suddenly see this person has filled out all these pro- all these quizzes, and we can start to profile mm. them based on that data, not just what they're doing on the
0: website, but actually what they're responding to.
2: It's mm.
0: interesting. So, what do you think? So. I'm not totally 100% that this will happen, but if we if there was a privacy backlash movement that became massively mainstream, and, yeah, like we've just discussed, whether, you know, if, if it's positioned that sharing your data is actually very valuable, then perhaps this won't happen and people will, will go for it. But um, if there was a world where data was, data and privacy was the utmost importance for everyone, what would that mean for marketers And what could they maybe do to to move in that direction? I mean, I think we just have to be a lot more creative, right? There are plenty of ways that we can track the effectiveness of something without directly needing to know that Bob has
1: opened an email or clicked a link. Um, To go back to my landing page example, just have to be a little bit more creative. So you have to create 20 landing pages rather than one. Okay, that sucks, but but that's still tracking, right? In a sense, but it's, yeah. it's
0: more aggregate, right? It's, it's, right, yeah. it's, it's campaign based rather I've, than personal. I've based. sent
1: campaign to a thousand people. I know this page has had twenty hits. <laughs> so in that, Mike Davidson, uh, it, 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 I think he wrote a couple, but um, he he said a line uh, something to the effect of email is supposed to be like direct mail. You send it, and mm. you don't know if I ever got it or what I did with it. If I, you know, checked my post box and I brought it inside and put it on the kitchen table if I put it in the bin, if, you know, whatever. And so, I mean, I think two things can happen. One, you can get more clever about how you, how you track, and that's probably yeah. going to be an aggregate. Two, I think the people who maybe don't have the resources or uh, the knowledge or, you know, I'm thinking small businesses and smaller teams, uh, maybe don't have the time, um, will kind of have to go the other way. They'll kind of get put back to, well, we don't really know what's going on. Mm. And I, I wonder where the split is. Go, like you know how, how many people get smarter and how many people get worse
0: yeah that's very true <laughs> I mean there are there's small amounts of tracking or stuff you can do there right like you can give out a specific url or you could give out like they used to be phone numbers but obviously that's well yeah that's like really direct like, mail is you know yeah. bring in this postcard for yeah. your discount and
1: they would yeah. know okay well you know this many this percentage of people brought in postcards mm. it was successful
0: and you not. could yeah. almost personalize that if it's you know if it's basically bring this card back then it's got their name well, on anyway show us on your phone yeah. Buy
3: something. yeah. 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 Well, or do we not just not track at all? Do you know, do you need to know? Like if if you're just trying to sell to people, if you're sending an email out to loads of people, and then you sell enough stuff to make money, and then you keep going and growing, then you don't need to track that the emails are working. You just need to know. <laughs> yeah, I that guess the marketing you're doing is working, so you're still selling stuff.
1: The question is, how do you know that? How do you know whether or not to invest? Continue investing in email. Like, were, were those purchases through email? Were they through social? Were they through, uh, you know, an ad on the bus? Yeah, but if there's no tracking across the whole of the web, eventually, then it, then
3: eventually, like, there's going to be no way of knowing where it came from. So you're just going to have to proportion it, either equally or decide where you feel like you're having the best input. And the other ways like Jack like said, why, by doing it creatively, by only putting an offer in an email. And then when they use that offer physically in store or on the web, then you know... Um, but you're not tracking that. You're just you know, like linking two things together that are completely separate from each other. And then if that's the way to go,
1: then that means that people's privacy and data is not out there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Do you think if, if tomorrow if there was no way to track an individual in an email, everybody would just stop caring? If, if it was, sure, we know
0: how many people have opened this. We know how many people paid. You know, we have a general idea of how this worked. Does everybody just say, oh well I don't care yeah, I Because think... you don't know you know where I was or what device I was on. I mean there's a little this part of the question in that sort of hypothetical world is whether we would have known about email success beforehand. So maybe like if you look at other technologies where this has never been available. So I know Instagram gives you a little bit of metrics, but not a huge amount. Um, but influencers get paid literally millions of pounds for for Instagram posts. And there's lots of discussions about whether you get the value for that or not. But that is broader, top of funnel brand awareness stuff, right? And you could, it's hard to argue that we did this influence campaign and it drove this much direct sales. But it's also hard to argue that we did it and it didn't move the needle at all. It's even stuff
2: like billboards, right? Mm. Like, how do you measure the effectiveness of a billboard? Is it worth paying for
0: one? Yeah. Or a piece of direct mail? And yeah, we don't see fewer billboards. No yeah <laughs> or tv ads i mean you know tv ads are somewhat challenged and the industry's kind of moving in different ways there because the kind of the amount of people watching tv is going down and there's more channels so in some ways it's cheaper but then also the effectiveness is less measurable so also sometimes the arguments people aren't using as much but anyway um so yeah that like, but that's a so that kind of lack of metrics does cause upset, but ultimately it is a massively influential medium.
1: I was at an event yesterday and I was watching a, somebody present a case study um, on how a uh, the, the store sell, uh, sold dog leashes online. And it was a case study of how they were using their analytics um, right. platform. And they looked at the sources of their purchases and email was the lowest. They were like, you know, they had social, they had uh, you know, whatever else. And email was the lowest of, so, like looking at the engagement numbers, they were kind of like, well, you know, why would we bother? Uh, let's, let's kill it. And then they tied, they went and looked at the revenue column and email with the least amount of engagement had double the revenue of any other channel, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, a familiar story, I think for a lot of, uh, for a lot of people in this industry. But, um, that's interesting because if you do something like, Oh, we're going to send, uh, you know, a voucher code out and it's just going to say, you know, maybe it starts with E or something like that. And that's how we know. Um, If you just look at the number, well, then you can know, you know, you you don't even get confused by engagement and all the, you know, opens and clicks and Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter really at the end of the day. And I think that's sort of a clever, a clever solution for e-commerce, I guess. It gets a lot fuzzier with a lot
0: of other types of business, but. Yeah, I think that's sort of broadly in line with part of the sort of discussion about tracking technologies on the web is you can, you can have sort of inbound analytics, like you can track the page requests on your server rather than doing stuff in JavaScript that um, is sort of tracking on the user's side. So like, yeah, if you think about that as a business, right? Like you can, you you know how much you're selling and there's some amount of inbound stuff that you can find out, but you're not actively going out and doing analytics elsewhere. Like it feels like that's that's where the privacy invading analytics and data stuff can happen is when it's more on the consumer side rather than businesses looking at the sort of aggregate, this, you know, this sold this much, that kind of stuff. Um, That's really interesting. So um, should we wrap up then? So anyone got any sort of final thoughts on where this is going, what you think might happen next, or indeed, even anything specifically about the sort of hay.coms and superhumans, that kind of stuff?
2: I think for me, it just I'd like to see more marketers take it more seriously. Um, right now, they kind of don't necessarily think about their actions. They don't necessarily think about what they're
1: collecting, why they're collecting it. Can they collect it? Um, and I'd just like to see more discussion and broader context around like, do we need all this stuff? Mm. It, it feels a bit climate changey in in that way to me. Yeah. yeah. Like. It's slowly starting to be a conversation, but there's been no implications yet, so nobody wants to change their behavior. Yeah, and no one wants to be the first person to lose all their tracking,
0: right? Yeah, but for we know it's worth a significant amounts of money, so we need a day to get
3: thumb Jay, are you uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm into, I mean, I because I obviously create the emails and look at the code and see the email clients and how they react and how I can work with them, having the how hey.com or anyone else kind of comes onto the scene and see how that affects the way I have to create stuff for so the people. But I want I would love to see marketers want to be more creative in the way they use the resources they have rather than just tracking, adding open tracking and using that as a metric, having something that is more like substantial, like a code or something creative so they can use it. And there's loads of people that want to be creative about this stuff, but maybe are falling back on, oh, we can just use the open tracking on the click tracking anyway, so we're not worried about it. Um, or they don't want to be adventurous and try something new because, like, the tracking is not perfect or anything. So yeah, maybe not having numbers all the time right there behind you, but having a knowledge of what you could do to be a bit more creative about it would be. I'd like that if more yeah. marketers come to us for that
0: kind of. That's interesting. Thinking. Even like creativity in general is sometimes I feel impeded by the amount of stats we have, and it, it sometimes makes people less um, willing to try try creative things because yeah. they're too worried about the open mate or whatever <laughs> um, yeah ultimately yeah. you know creative yeah. things are what gets attention builds brand affinity and all that kind of stuff you say this a lot on Twitter actually just generally like creating a
2: good message yeah it's infinitely better than having this really deeply technically complex and convoluted thing just focus on the message focus mm-hmm. on getting the basics right
0: yeah and we know that because we're humans right yeah most of
2: yeah. us
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm <sorry>. a <laughs>
1: Um, i mean about hey I, I, I think it's going to remain niche the same yeah. way that Basecamp is a, a niche you know only has so much of the
0: sort of market share
1: of project management tools like
0: intentionally as well right like yeah that's kind that's, of, kind of, that's kind of their mo um yeah. but i think the
1: fact that they're they've been able to spur such a discussion um have a lot of people agreeing with them and, and a lot of people you know vehemently disagreeing <laughs> with them i think just the fact that that's been able to kind of come to the forefront that we're even sitting here talking about this right now, sort of points to sort of the, the, a tide shift. Um, and I mean, if you, if you couple that with, you know, legislation and, and things like that over, you know, the next few years, uh, you know, ethical changes on some marketers, uh, the perhaps, um, I think we we need to start thinking about what are we going to do. You know, if we didn't have open tracking, what does that mean? What are the alternatives? How can we still, uh, you know, know that what we're doing is is working? How can we still, you know, advocate for our budgets? Um, you know, somebody who works for for a company making email tools. Uh, that's important. I think to me, mm-hmm. that's important to be thinking about. If you know, if we, if we can't have a you know, like an analytics feature anymore, or if it becomes Useless if everybody starts tracking analytics. Uh, you know what? What are we going to sell?
0: I think it's a big opportunity, though, that like someone so. who can make a platform that does the yep. right level of tracking, not all yep. of the tracking.
1: If, and well, and well, also that, and sort of beyond tracking. Like, mm. what other metrics are we going to start looking at? How are we going to start being able to, to you know, justify uh, you know, what we're doing, our programs, and also quantify them if possible, and what new thing. Can we come up with that will do that? Um, We're already starting to see
2: some tools emerge like that. So Fathom for web analytics, which does uh, they do server logs <laughs> or maybe cookies, but they do a much more kind of GDPR-compliant way of tracking that
1: tracks significantly less than your typical GA or Adobe kind mm. of implementation mm. would.
0: And it's not shared with Google as well.
1: Yeah, and Mesh- <laughs> has a uh, has analytics like that that's based on server logs as well. But I just mean even even beyond that, like, is there is there a different way to look at all this that nobody's ever thought about because nobody's ever had to think about it?
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. to Jay's point, the sort of creativity is yeah. the, yeah.
1: the well, thing. Yeah, creativity in the program, but also just in you know how do we how do we approach this? Yeah, like as you know, how do we approach? does the whole industry approach this, and. I think that people would be doing themselves a disservice to not, you know, even the people who hate this and say, no, people love tracking, they don't care, I stick it in everything, I track every last ounce of data I can get. My mom wouldn't mind. They'd still be doing themselves a disservice to not think about what they're going to do if all of a sudden they can't do that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. the, the world is traveling in, in somewhat in this direction, right? So regardless of your personal opinion, it's worth considering. A backup plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have to be adaptable. Mm. Cool. Anyone got anything to plug? Or Twitter addresses? Uh,
1: prominent communities of email geeks? Anything like that? Link in the show notes is the line, right? But yes, I will
0: that. Thanks so much to Dylan, Jack and Jay for joining us. We've got lots more to come on Email Talk. You can find us on your favourite podcast player and also at emailtalk.co. There's two things you can do to help us. If you can, we'd love you to leave a review or rating on iTunes. And also, please share this podcast with other people that you know who work in email. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.